This is the Artisan CEO Podcast, Season 4, Episode 12. On this episode, we'll be talking about what donor breast milk taught me about marketing my small business. It's a little bit of an unconventional topic, but there's a zinger of a lesson to be learned here that you do not want to miss. Welcome to the Artisan CEO, where the art of photography meets the business of profits. This is where strategy and craftsmanship coexist so that you can run a creative business that supports a life you love. I'm your host, Abby Grace, and I promise to give it to you straight. So full disclosure, I am recording this episode at five o'clock in the morning on the day that I'm leaving for Disney. I'm running the Princess Half Marathon this weekend. So if I sound tired, if you pick this up and you're like, gee, Abby, are you sick? No, it's just five o'clock in the morning and I'll probably sound better towards the end of the episode. (laughs) All right. So about a year before our eldest Felix was born, we made friends at church with this couple, Kelly and Rob, and they had just adopted their first child, a sweet girl. And they were super gracious in answering every question that we threw at them. Like we met them at church and we're like, hi, we heard that you just adopted. We're going to be adopting. Can we ask you some questions? It was pretty much that direct. (laughs) Um, And so they invited us over to their home. We got to meet their sweet girl and we asked them every question we could think of. And then there was at some point over the next couple of weeks, or maybe it was even that night, Kelly mentioned this idea of donor breast milk. Like that was how they were feeding their daughter instead of formula. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? You're accepting breast milk from strangers? And yeah, there are actually entire networks of moms sharing milk from their own supply. And um, I will be honest, at first, that concept weirded me out. Like that felt so intimate. It's a product that came from somebody else's body that's helping to feed your own child. Um, I didn't know if I was going to sign up for that train once our turn came along to be parents. I was perfectly happy to opt for formula. That was the assumption that I had made since the beginning. And that was also the assumption that our agency made for all of their adoptive families. Not that they didn't let you do anything else, but it was just kind of like, this is the the default mechanism. We also had, an, I will say this, we had a number of people pop into my DMs who talked about like, I guess you can medically like induce lactation. <laughs> this is a subject I never thought I would talk about on this podcast. Um, and and I, I didn't want to do that. So if you're like, oh my gosh, I wonder if Abby knows that you could do this. Yes, I do know. And we just, we did not go down that route. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but it just didn't feel like a good fit for our family. So back to the story. So a few weeks before Felix was born, And with him, we were matched with his birth mama about 10 weeks before his due date. So we had a little bit of time to prepare. In contrast to that, being pregnant now and having, we found out I was like five or six weeks pregnant, having like eight months to prepare feels totally different. Like in some ways a complete luxury, but then in other ways, like all that much more time to stress about maternity leave. But with Felix, we had about 10 weeks to prepare. Um, And so before he was born, a friend of ours, Flo, she reached out. She had just had a baby girl and she had pumped enough milk right after her daughter was born to be able to freeze some of it. Specifically, she had frozen some colostrum and she wanted to know if we would be interested in receiving that to give to baby spring. So this obviously wasn't some stranger. This was a friend of ours, a dear friend of ours, somebody I knew. I knew her like tendencies. I knew her lifestyle. If I was going to accept milk from anybody, it was going to be Flo. And then the fact that she was caring for me as one mom to another, some something about that struck me deeply. And so I said, you know what? Sure, we'll take it. Let's see how this goes. Well, then Flo told another one of our friends, Jen, and Jen also reached out to offer milk that she had frozen from her daughter who had also just been born. So I said, okay, yes, please. That sounds great. 
And then the momentum started to build from there. I realized that all of these moms who were offering up their precious supply were acting in love. This wasn't weird. This was actually kind of incredible. It's a very visual picture of the village that it takes to raise a child. So when Felix came home and he was able to stomach the milk that our friends had donated, I realized, I think I want to keep this going for, you know, as long as we can. So I took Kelly's recommendation and I posted on our local milk sharing page. It's called Human Milk, the number four, Human Babies, Human Milk for Human Babies. And you can either post that you have a need, like I did, or that you have excess supply that you're looking to share. So I posted, it was a few weeks after Felix was born, and I posted that we had a three-week-old son who had just joined our family via adoption, and that given how well he was doing with the donor milk from our friends, we were hoping to be able to pick up some additional bags if anybody had extra, you know, just to see how long we could keep this thing going. And the reply was overwhelming. Over the next year, we had a total of 18 moms donate milk to feed Felix. And God was so kind to make sure that we never had an empty freezer. We actually ended up needing to purchase a an additional freezer, a half-size deep freezer. I named it Arendelle in order to accommodate all of the milk that was offered. It was such a gift. So Felix went a full year on donor milk. And we were more than willing to supplement with formula or, you know, transition entirely to formula if the supply ran out, but we never did. We never had to do that thanks to the generosity of all of these moms. And so when Teddy was born almost three years later, it wasn't even a question. We knew we wanted to try the donor milk route again. And, And like there was no assumption that it would go for any length of time. It was just like, let's just see how this goes. Um, because of how well Felix thrived on that and that we'd be grateful for however long we could keep that going with our second kid. And it turns out we were also able to feed Teddy for a full year with 24 mamas coming together to help us feed him. And again, just absolutely blown away. These women, many of who did not know my family, sharing with us what my body could not produce to keep my boys full and thriving. So not only was this an incredible testament to the strength of mothers, but it also taught me a few really valuable lessons about marketing when it came to my small business. And the overarching big idea of those lessons was that we should never stop telling our stories. Real quick, photographers, are you tired of lather, rinse, and repeating the same tired collection of forgettable photos from one brand session to the next? If you're ready to turn yawn-worthy galleries into the sort of results that thrill your clients and get you both noticed, then you're definitely going to want to join me for my free training, The Backstage Secret to Scroll-Stopping Brand Photography. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or you're just getting started out in the world of branding, this session is for you. I'll teach you my number one strategy for crafting stories that resonate with your clients and their audience, which is the biggest secret behind creating galleries that not only look stunning, but also drive engagement and sales for your clients, which, spoiler alert, is what keeps them coming back for additional sessions in the future. Because as brand photographers, purposeful matters more than pretty, but who says you can't have both? Our job is to think like a marketer and shoot like an artist, but you have to have both pieces of that equation. And learning to approach with the mindset of a strategist, that changes everything. So if you're raring to say goodbye to cliche galleries that simply repeat what's already clogging your Pinterest and social media, and hello to a method that drives brand loyalty and real bottom line growth, then head on over to abbygrace.co slash training. That's abbygrace.co slash training. It's time to leave those forgettable, smiling at a laptop photos in the dust in favor of a more tailored approach that's going to leave your clients obsessed and already planning for their next shoot with you. 
One more time, that's abbygrace.co slash training. I'll see you in class. What I mean by never stop telling your story is that so many of us think that because we've said something once or twice that obviously everyone has heard it, but that is simply not true. And I'm preaching to myself here. I struggle with this during every launch, especially when we're launching a course for the second, third, maybe fourth time. Like I feel like I've said the same thing so many times that people have got to be sick of hearing it, right? But in reality, the repetition is a crucial part of not only reaching more people who have yet to hear your message, but also in reaching people who have heard it, but have not taken action, even if they know they want to or know that they need to. When it came to donor milk, this happened organically. So I just shared every time I went for a milk pickup. So we'd know, hey, the freezer's getting a little bit low. Let's reach out to some of our long-term donors. Because it was a combination of women who had excess in their freezer and were just looking to do like a one-time donation. But then we were also extremely fortunate with both of our boys to connect with long-term donors. So women who were pumping milk to feed their own, like feeding their own babies and then pumping extra milk at each feeding. It just, it just blows my mind that, that that is a gift that some women have that they are willing to share. So so the long-term donors, like we would, e- I would either reach out to them when our freezer was running low or they would reach out to me when their freezer was getting full and I would run over and do a milk pickup. We actually had these, this is not sponsored, but we had these um, freezer bags called ice mules that keep milk frozen. We did a 10-hour journey to Seattle with Felix. And then where did we go with Teddy? I think it was flying back and forth from Florida. And we packaged milk in the ice mules, frozen breast milk and ice mules, and they did not melt. So if you're looking for a cooler that does the job, cannot recommend ice mule enough. Um, but so anyway, we would, we would reach out to people or they would reach out to us when milk needed to change hands and then I would go and I would pick up. So I was doing milk pickups anywhere from like, I mean, at the beginning with each of the boys when we were trying to stock up the freezer, like right after they came home with Felix, we probably spent two days running around uh, Northern Virginia and DC area to to do like all of these milk pickups. And then when we connected with the long-term donors, it slowed down to probably like once every couple weeks. Um, And so every time I went out to do a milk pickup, I just shared on social media because I was so grateful. And then I started hearing from some of my followers, things like, oh, dang, I wish I'd known this was a thing when my kids were small. I had an oversupply and I ended up trashing some of it once my kids stopped taking milk or what the stories that broke my heart were like, oh my gosh, I have hundreds of ounces in my freezer that my baby cannot take now because we've discovered a lactose allergy and I wasn't you know, refraining from lactose when I was pumping all this milk and like, now what what do I do with this? We actually had one of my former brides, Mary, oh my gosh, that was exactly what happened with her second. She had thousands of ounces. I had to make two trips to her house to bring all of it home and that fed Teddy for a couple months, I think. I ran out of I, I, I think I started tracking. I can't remember how long it fed him, but it was she was just like it was I was just blown away. Blown away by the strength of mothers. And as a byproduct of sharing about that process, I ended up connecting with more moms offering to share milk from their freezer. And it created this cycle, first with Felix, and then when Teddy was born, that cycle picked back up and then it accelerated. So lesson number one here for business owners is this, get clear on your messaging. What are you trying to say? And you need to be succinct here because brevity is key. If you cannot say it in just a few words, you are not clear enough on what it is you're asking for or offering as a business owner. 
And this is something that I will often ask my brand clients to do. So sometimes we'll sit down and we'll have a strategy call and I've got this brilliant creative business owner who is like so cerebral and esoteric that they throw all of these words at me to describe their offer. And I'm like, but what do you, like, what's your tangible take? Like, what are you, what are people buying from? I'm not quite latching on here. What is the TLDR version of this? So if they describe their offer or their USP and it takes me, and USP means unique selling proposition, if it takes them several minutes to explain what that is and it ends up being what my friend Ashlyn calls a word salad, then I will ask them, I will tell them like, I'm not quite catching this right now um, because you you gave me so many words that it ended up muddying the picture. And so, and you say that with kindness, no, you're, you're, you're asking them to clarify because you're their brand photographer and want to help give them clear messages or clear clear visuals to help spread that message. So when that happens, I, I ask my clients to drill their USP down into an Instagram bio length of 150 characters. If you cannot explain it to me on 150 characters, then I'm going to assume that your audience is going to get lost too. So it behooves you, the message writer, to be clear and succinct. You need to know what are you selling or what are you looking for? The donor milk example was a really specific situation, and with that came a very specific message. And that message was, I am an adoptive mom who is trying to feed her son, and we are using donor breast milk. That was the message. Adoptive mom looking for donor breast milk. Sounds like a classified ad. So your message when it comes to your business will usually be more centered around what you are offering, not what you're looking for. Because when you can clearly identify what you have to offer, it makes it so much easier for those who are looking for your solution to identify you as the one who can solve their problem. As photographers, you see this all the time, people who are getting scared of being too specific because we worry about narrowing the pool of potential clients. We're worried that that means there are going to be fewer folks who then need what we're selling. And the answer to that is yes, there will be, but there is power in more specific messaging. There is power in specialization. There is a reason why a specialist like a, I don't know, an orthopedic surgeon gets paid more than a general practitioner because they had to go to school for longer, the area of expertise is smaller, and as a result, it is deeper. So if I had simply taken to social media, going back to the breastfeeding example, breast milk example, if I had simply taken to social media and shared, hey folks, can anyone assist me in feeding my baby? (laughs) I probably would have received things like links for formula donation sites, maybe maybe offers for breast milk, but then also people asking like, are you okay? Do we need to bring you a meal? And then maybe, you know, someone would send over some baby food, like Gerber jars of baby food. But that's not what I was looking for. I was looking for breast milk from moms who had an oversupply or extra supply and had taken the care to pump and freeze their extra ounces. So I sought out a group that facilitates exactly that kind of exchange. There are other resources out there for moms who are looking for formula, for baby food, for childhood nutrition, but I wasn't looking for those. I wanted human milk for my human babies, so I found a group that would help me find that, a group that was full of moms who were looking to donate to families with the exact need that we were experiencing. There's been a lot of talk about specialization in the photography community over the years that people always say, oh, the riches are in the niches. And it is true. There's nothing wrong with being a jack of all trades. We need the general practitioners of the world. We need the handymen of the world. But if you want to be the go-to answer for a certain market, then you have to be really clear about what it is that you offer, not just, oh, yeah, I could do that, I guess. So you need to be clear about what it is you offer and 
who it is for. When we first launched Brand Photography Academy, I was very nervous about being too specific. Um, The course truly was created for burned out and frustrated wedding photographers who wanted to introduce or transition to brand photography, but I didn't want to exclude other types of photographers who might also benefit from the course. But truthfully, I am more qualified to speak to past wedding photographers than, say, you know, someone who's coming from a food photography background or or a different type of commercial photography background or fashion photography background because I know how wedding photographers think and I know what sort of roadblocks they're going to encounter because of their background of working B2C, business to consumer, and how they're going to need to adopt this new mindset in order to thrive working B2B, business to business. It is a stronger message to say this is the course for burned out, frustrated wedding photographers than trying to appeal to the masses with a message like, this is a course for anybody who wants to be a brand photographer. One of those is very specific. You can look at that and say either, yes, that's me. I am a burned out, frustrated wedding photographer or no, it's not. The other one tries to catch everyone and people end up falling through the cracks. So we need to know what we're offering to whom and how it is different. And I don't want this to sound skeevy, like relating something selfless and generous, like donor breast milk, relating that to marketing, because I want to be clear, I was not marketing my kids or our needs. I wasn't thinking like a marketer at all as we walked this road. I was thinking like a mom. I was just simply expressing a need that we had in hopes of finding somebody who could help me meet that need. But what I learned during the process inevitably drew parallels to marketing because I can't turn that part of my brain off. (laughs) So with the milk example, the matter of how is it different was very straightforward. My kids are adopted and I am unable to produce the type of nourishment that they need from my own body. That was what made my request different from some of the other mamas who were also looking for milk for their babies. But then again, there were also moms who were looking for milk for babies who were in the NICU and they like could not breastfeed them or moms whose supplies had dried up because of meds that had to be taken or or maybe moms of twins. I saw this a lot. Moms of twins who had, um, you know, t- twice the mouths to feed, but they, they just didn't have the supply to keep up with it. So there were so many stories of parents simply trying to feed their kids in their preferred way. And my message was no more or less worthy than any of those. And there were also families who felt specifically pulled to share with folks whose stories resonated with them for whatever reason. Maybe you're a mom whose baby was in the NICU and you might really want to share with someone who is currently experiencing that challenge. Or maybe you were a twin mom who knows the frustration and the, of not producing enough to, for two complete feeds for two babies at the same time. And now you find yourself with an oversupply for a singleton pregnancy and you specifically want to look for a twin mom to share your milk with. So with the Human Milk for Human Babies page, donors make their own choice about who they share with. Um, It's all private connection. And while some folks simply offered their oversupply to the most recent person who was voicing a need, other families wanted to offer to someone that they felt a connection to. So they would scroll through the page and look for someone whose story resonated with them. So all of those different stories, the reasons that people came to the table of why they were looking for milk, if you were to translate that into a business, it would look like, what are you doing that is unique from all the other people who do what you do? What is going to stick in people's mind, the thing that sets you apart? Like, How is your style or service different from the business owner next door? 
there may be, this is a question I love asking, there may be a lot of things that you're good at, but what are you the best at? And that doesn't have to mean the best in the whole world, but the best in your market. Where do you shine that other people don't? And especially, where do you shine where it comes so intuitively that it takes other people pointing it out that you shine there in order for you to realize that it's a strength? And then again, you've got to be able to put that into just a few words. So for example, when I meet somebody new or I'm introducing my services, maybe on stage at a conference or a mastermind, I say that, quote, I'm Abby Grace. I'm a brand photographer for high-performing, creative small business owners, end quote. And the reason I say that is because I specialize in working with artisans and writers and designers, people who create for a living, often people who create with visuals, but sometimes people who create with words. Um, And I specifically specialize in working with the folks who are in the top one to 2% of their respective market. That is my differentiating factor. And I will tell you, it took me a while to drill that down into just a one sentence descriptor. But being able to come out the gate with what I do and who it's for and how it's different makes it really easy for a new client to identify, yes, this is a photographer I've been looking for because the clientele you just described, that is me. So lesson number two we can learn here is the importance of lather, rinse, repeat. Pretty much every time I went for a milk pickup, I posted about it on social media. Again, not because I was trying to market my kids, but because I just thought it was such an incredible and generous concept that I could not help but talk about it. And I also realized like, I had no idea donor milk was a thing. Uh, And I was like, maybe there are other people out there who either have milk that they wanna give away, not necessarily to me, but just maybe you're in Texas and there's like a local a local human milk for human babies page and you had no idea and you were wondering what am I going to do with these 500 ounces of milk sitting in my freezer that my kid won't take or maybe you're a mom like me who can't breastfeed and you want to be able to give your child that option for nutrition but you had no idea that donor milk was a thing and so I wanted to talk about it because I thought it was amazing but also because I wanted to raise awareness of the fact that this was a concept I'd never heard of before we entered the adoption arena and the more I talked about it the more offers we received from moms who had excess milk. There is no need to reinvent the story every time you tell it. With audience inattention, (laughs) turnover in the number of followers coming in and out of your world, and with the always changing algorithm, you will always have someone in your audience who hasn't heard your message or hasn't heard it enough times, even if you've told it a hundred times over. It might feel like old news to you to post highlights from what you felt like was a very standard brand session, but somebody out there needs to see it and needs to hear you talk about your work. If not for the first time, then maybe for the third, fourth, fifth time, because industry experts estimate that consumers need to hear a message between four and 27 times before they take action. You think about how many times Have you scrolled past an ad on Instagram for a product that you know that you need, but you just don't feel like pulling out your credit card at the moment? Uh, I did this for weeks with a specific skincare company. I got ads for a month straight every time I logged into Instagram. It was telling me about this belly serum that was going to help prevent stretch marks, like very pregnancy specific. Um, Also, I don't know how social media knew I was pregnant as quickly as it did, but it was weird. It was creepy, man. Uh, So I turned off the Hey Siri function on my phone. Sorry if that just activated yours. I don't know if I can do that with podcasts. (laughs) But I knew I was interested in this product 
Uh, I just didn't feel like buying it. Uh, I knew I was interested, but I wasn't quite convinced. And so these ads reminded me over and over and over that the product existed. And then you know when I finally purchased what pulled the trigger? When I started experiencing pregnancy insomnia and one of their ads talked about this pregnancy survival kit that they have that includes lavender sleep lotion. I was like, oh, cool, take my money. Like I can't check out fast enough. I desperately need that product. So you need to talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. I struggle with this. I struggle with feeling like I'm boring people, but trust me, if they are bored or annoyed, they will unfollow or unsubscribe. That happens to me all the time. Every time we send an email out to people on our list, we get a number of unsubscribes. And obviously, if there's like a spike in unsubscribes for one particular email, we're going to take a look at was something in that email offensive? Like, was this so unrelated that it caused people to think that maybe we had changed direction in our business? But those times are few and far between. We get unsubscribes with every single email that we send out because people realize, they, they finally realize like, oh, I'm not actually reading these. It's better to just get this out of my inbox. And it's fine because when someone unfollows or unsubscribes, it means that they were never going to purchase from me and that they are better off unclogging their own feed or their inbox to give them a more streamlined experience. I don't want to bug people who don't want to buy from me. I am a business. And while I love sharing personal content through my business channels, I also sell products and services. And there's no need to apologize for that. That's that's why we started an LLC instead of a nonprofit, right? So we do a big live launch, a big marketing push for Brand Photography Academy once a year, in addition to the fact that that course is in our shop 365 days a year, because I have to assume that there are new people in our audience who have never heard of the course before or who haven't heard me talk about it enough. I mentioned my course, Lighting the Brand Session, every once in a while on our newsletter here in this podcast because there are people on our list and in our world who've either never heard of it or who heard of it last year when we launched Lighting the Brand Session and didn't need it then, but maybe now they find they do. And it serves our audience to remind them of all of the different ways that we can help them. We're not trying to be pushy or get people to buy things they don't need. We're just reminding them of like, here are all of the different ways that we are qualified to serve you in case you forgot. And this brings me to lesson three that Donor Milk taught me, and that was to keep it top of mind. So the message that you clarified with lesson number one of getting clear on your message We've got to keep that top of mind for our audience. You're going to repeat that message over and over again like we just discussed, and you're also going to find new ways to tell that same general story by using the various channels available to you. You want to position yourself to be the person that a client thinks of when they have need for your type of services. And this was something I learned time and time again as a wedding photographer. There were a few DC wedding planners that I absolutely loved working with, and I knew that I was more likely to get a referral from them for a new client if we had just worked together within the last couple of months. If they had not seen my name or my face in six to 12 months, it was very unlikely that I was going to get a referral for one of their new clients because... They had other photographers who had more recently been in their world. And it doesn't mean that those other photographers were any better or worse than me. It just meant that, I mean, this is what's called the recency effects, that people tend to recall recent events with more accuracy. It's why lawyers work so hard on their closing arguments, because it's the last thing they're going to leave a jury with before they go and deliberate. And it's most likely going to stick in their mind after days or maybe weeks of hearing evidence and testimony. So when we can position ourselves to have been the one that our audience hears from most recently or the one that they've heard from the most in the past few weeks or months, 
Then when it comes time for them to take action on booking your services, you are going to be top of mind. I recently started following another brand photographer whose work I really like, and she posts behind the scenes reels several times per week. She's She's crushing it. It's great. Um, I need to have brand photos done this year. And even though I already have somebody picked out to do my brand photos, following this other photographer, I started thinking, wait, should I hire this person instead? Just purely because of how frequently I was seeing her stuff pop up on social media. Seeing her process was really intriguing to me and showed me her expertise in all of these various settings. She posted a couple tutorials and it got me thinking, I wonder what it would be like if she were to create for me. Like I'm seeing her shooting all these different, all these different scenarios, all these different scenes. And I'm like, oh, what kind of scene would I pick out for my brand shoot? I wonder what it would look like if she were to come and create for me. I had known about this photographer for several years now. I first came across her name probably three years ago, but it was only once I started following and seeing her posts every couple of days that I considered actually booking her for a shoot of my own. This doesn't mean being obnoxious and spamming your audience. I feel like that should go without saying but it does mean sharing your message consistently in a way that they enjoy following along with. So that does mean keeping up with the channels that other people are gravitating towards. You guys have heard me say it before, I hate reels. Do not ask me the last time I signed into TikTok, but I have to recognize that static posts to my feed just do not get the attention that they used to. Even though that's my preferred method of sharing, I have to recognize that if I want people to see what I'm posting, I have to adapt. You can listen to season four, episode eight for my marketing playbook for more thoughts on that matter. But the TLDR question of being top of mind is when someone says brand photographer, are you the first person that they think of? Are you the go-to expert in your market? Was it a bit of a stretch to do an entire episode on the marketing nuggets found through my experience with donor milk? Possibly. I'll admit that. But... The results also speak for themselves. We had a total of 42 mamas who came together to help me feed my boys and our freezer was never empty. That never would have happened if I hadn't opened my mouth, made the ask, and continued to talk about the idea to keep it top of mind. And this episode is personally the reminder that I needed to continue to do the same with my own business. So that is technically a wrap for season four. We do 12 episodes per season. This is season four, episode 12, but... I've got one or two bonus episodes cooking uh, while we take a break before ramping up again for season five. Um, We've had a few people DM me recently with questions about the adoption process, which I shared at length about on my blog and on social media when we were going through the process with Felix. And then again, I would say to a lesser degree with Teddy because I had already shared so much, but we didn't have a podcast back then. So I will be putting together what might end up being either one really long or two shorter episodes about our experience walk, uh, walking the road of adoption twice over. I'm going to be talking about the differences between each of those journeys. And I'm not, I'm not going to share our boys' stories in depth, um, just because those are their personal stories. But I will talk about our experience with each of those, with working with an agency, anything else. If you guys have questions about that, please feel free to shoot me a DM on Instagram. You can find me at Abby Grace Photo. Anything specific you want me to cover in those episodes. Um, so I will see you back here for either one really long or one of two shorter episodes about the adoption process. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode and head over to abbygrace.co slash podcast for even more resources to help you blow your clients away at your very next brand shoot. I'm Abby Grace, and I'll see you next time. Now, let's go get after it, shall we?